five, four, three, two, one. We are a go. Welcome to the Bronze Compass Podcast. This is the show where we'll be looking into the past in order to try to understand the present in hopes of changing the future. We will be going through subjects of all kinds with an emphasis in history and politics, trying to understand the big picture of life and how to move forward. This is the Bronze Compass Podcast. You are you, and I am Matthew. Why am I doing this, you might ask? Because it's cheaper than therapy. Thank you for joining me on this podcast today. What we're going to be looking at is beginnings. Where does the beginning start? Well, we're not going to go all the way back to evolution or Adam and Eve or something like that. We're going to go to a a hinge point in history of and an individual that has become controversial. That individual is Columbus. Now, why is Christopher Columbus so controversial? When for the 400 plus years after his discovery of America, and I do say discovery, he was venerated, praised, lauded, celebrated as a great navigator, as a great explorer, as a self-taught individual who rose in rank and stature and and authority to become one of the most celebrated people in history. There's cities named after him, towns named after him. Um, there's a country named after him. There's statues, etc. Right now, why all of a sudden? or what seemingly would be all of a sudden, but basically since the 1970s, 1980s, has he become a villain? Well, he's become a villain because the individuals that do not like him, do not like the United States, do not like Western civilization, have done their history and looked into the past and have found people that hated him at the time that he was in, what we call contemporaries. Right, So his contemporaries that were jealous of him, that wanted to destroy him, that wanted to have the governorships that he had, that wanted to have the money that he had, that wanted to have the power and the prestige that he had, and didn't want to give it to him, who was basically nothing more than a commoner from Genoa, Italy. They wanted him destroyed. Okay, So they created... False narratives, false stories, false accusations of horrible things that he did, and then blamed him for all of the problems of the New World or that Spain was having in the New World. So, who was Christopher Columbus? And why are we looking at him? We're looking at him because he is the beginning of the American experience. The American experience comes in a wholeness, in a full, in a togetherness. We are the United States of America, right? Um, this includes, of course, the 50 states, but it is a part of Canada of America or Brazil of America. And most people don't look at that. But when you look at movies, literature, um, media from 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, People would be consider like Rio de Janeiro or Mexico City or Lima, Peru as um, part of America. It just wasn't the United States. 
And so we're looking at the American experience from a, a back, a bird's eye view, right? From the satellite type thing where we're looking not at just the United States, but we're looking at the American continent, north and south, at this juncture right now. Now, the importance of that and what we're looking at here in Christopher Columbus is we're looking at the legitimacy of America. Now, let's start first with his life. So starting with his life, he was born in Genoa, Italy. Now, Genoa, Italy is northwest um, uh, Italy on the Italian boot. Um, sort of close to the Alps, but it's on the ocean. And he was born to a wool weaver. Now, however successful his father was or wasn't, we don't know. We do know that he wasn't rich. He was a merchant, and he had um, a little something, but nothing really, right? He wasn't like begging in the streets, but he wasn't anybody of consequence. When you sit down, you're going to talk about historic figures. Italy at this time is a bunch of city-states, right? You had Florence, Venice, Genoa, um, Rome. Rome was part of the uh, papal state or the um, yeah the papal state you had Naples so these these city states they all vied for supremacy and they were all based upon familial or the power of the family you would have a powerful family the powerful family rose that rising of that powerful family created a center of power in the city-state, the center of power becomes the city-state. This is most prevalent in history with the city-state of Florence. Um, now, if you've ever heard of the coinage Florin, this is where that comes from. Florence gains its power from the wool textile industry and eventually banking. Those two things make it the powerhouse, but it doesn't have the military. In fact, no, nobody in Italy has the military, and because of this squabbling, because of how small the city-states are, and they are in an, an Italian peninsula, which is basically a big, giant mountain range with lowlands, there isn't much for Columbus to go or do, or for the country at all, for that matter, to make a serious dent in the world. They're disunited. They're separate. So he goes to make his fortune and he goes to the sea. He believes that the sea is going to make that happen for him. So he goes to Portugal. Portugal at this time. Now if you know where Portugal is, it's on the Iberian Peninsula. It strictly faces the Atlantic Ocean. There is no Mediterranean Sea for it. It is in the Atlantic. It's right next to Spain. The Spanish and the Portuguese have a understanding. They have joined forces in taking back the Iberian Peninsula from Muslim invaders. The Muslim invaders have been there for 700 years. Spain has been going through what's called the Reconquista of the Iberian Peninsula from and taking back Spain from uh, the Muslim invaders. Now, Portugal, because Spain has become a power 
and this power to be reckoned with has thrown out um, one of the biggest civilizations in power, prestige, and wealth um, on the planet. They are a force to be reckoned with. Portugal, to expand its empire, to expand its trading, to expand anything, can't look to going inland on the European continent. It must look towards the ocean, towards the Atlantic. And so it does. Columbus becomes part a sailor on a Portuguese ship, and he sails from anywhere uh, north in Europe to Ireland to Iceland, all the way down into Africa. Um, the scholarship says that it goes all the way down to Ghana, um, Africa, which is Ivory Coast area. So looking at that, we see that he has experience before he even tries to get the money, the ships, the necessities to go west. So it takes him eight years to get the funds to get sponsored by the king and queen of Spain. He tried originally with the Portuguese. Now the Portuguese, they had great explorers. They had great sailors. Their goal to get to um, the spice trade of India was to go around Africa. And they were in the process of setting up little city uh, trading posts all along Africa and then later on into Asia in order to get there. That was a plan specifically designed by them so that they could make it happen. Columbus, realizing that there are currents both in wind and in the ocean that head west from Africa, through, from the Azores Islands, that um, he could go west from Europe and Africa all the way to Asia. Now, he miscalculated um, either the size of the planet or the size of the land mass of Europe, but either way, there was a miscalculation on his part as to how and where it was. Now, everybody at this time knew. They knew that the world was round. They just thought that the space between Europe and Asia was nothing more than sea monsters and water. They didn't think it was anything else. And they had no reason to believe otherwise. They hadn't had indigenous people of America land on their shores. It wasn't like all of a sudden one day Ireland or France or somebody had an American Indian crash land a ship um, on an island or on a rocky coast of theirs and then everybody start going well who's this what's going on why is he here that type of thing it was an unknown quantity an unknown space and with rumors of uh, sea monsters and it just being open ocean why would you risk it but Christopher Columbus knew that he could get across he had a feeling in his own words and, and records of his journal, he says that he is, has the hand of God on his shoulder, pushing him and guiding him towards the west to get the ocean uh, passageway to the what they called the Orient, meaning the east. 
he was trying to get there in the name of God and Spain. Now, why is the name of God important here? Well, because of the Reconquista, he is going and he's trying to gain the spice trade for Spain, in this case, for not only wealth for himself, but also wealth for the country and for God to spread the gospel of Christ and spread the power of God in such a way as the Muslims have. Now, the Muslims, to the the unbiased historian, are an impressive civilization and people. They basically went, in 100 years, they took a land mass that went from India to southern Russia to southeastern Europe to northern um, Ethiopia all the way to the Atlantic Sea through North Africa within a hundred years. That is impressive on almost any standard, not as a military, but as a civilization. They took it as a civilization militarily. They took it and they stayed, and they have stayed there the entire time. That is impressive. Columbus wanted basically the same thing for Spain and for the Christian church, but to go in getting there, he knew, he knew that the, the crown, the cause, the idea was they needed money. Now, all trade at this time had to go through the Middle East. It takes too long to go around Africa and is too dangerous to go around Africa in one big jump. And you cannot do it over land. It takes too long. You're walking. There aren't trains. There aren't cars. There aren't planes. The boats are going only three to four miles an hour at most. So you're, you're basically at a, a snail's pace getting goods there. And if the goods actually make it, they've had hands on it the entire time. Imagine you're getting silk from China or spices from India, and it has to go through 10, 20, 50, 100 different uh, tribes, principalities, duchies, kingdoms, sultanates, caliphates, etc. And it has to go through all of those customs. What do all those customs do? Take money. So when somebody sends the, the gold or the silk or the spices, they have to send enough money to pay for those customs. It's expensive. Now the payoff when it gets there is big, but it barely gets there half the time. And it's so dangerous that it's not worth doing yourself. You just send it on and hope that ancient UPS gets, makes it happen. Now ancient UPS didn't make it happen. So at least not as often as necessary to feed the trade. So Christopher Columbus seeing a problem, knowing he can fix a problem, and realizing that the fix for the problem is going west. He calculates that the ocean is around 2,300 miles away. Not away, but across, right? From Europe to Asia, 2,300 miles. We got this. In fact, if you were to just do ocean, if the American continent wasn't there, it's around 12 to 13,000 miles from Europe to Asia. So he has a problem and he, that he doesn't know about. It's too big. If the American continent isn't there, his people are going to starve to death and die or dehydration or, or thirst. Either way, they would be in trouble. 
but he's been given two, three ships, the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria. Um, they aren't exactly big ships. And he's given a couple of specialists, like a language expert and a map expert and things of that nature. And for the rest of it, the rest of the crew are volunteers. And when volunteers didn't want to go, they got a bunch of people that were in prison and put them on the ship. He set sail, and roughly 10 to 12 weeks later, he lands in Hispaniola. Now he lands, when he lands in Hispaniola, or the Bahamas, and then the Hispaniola, he claims the land in the name of Spain and names it San Salvador. Now let me stop and go back. One of the main criticisms of Columbus as a navigator is that he was a moron. He was a moron because he wasn't trying to discover the new world, and he wasn't trying to find a new continent, and he never found a passageway to Asia. Why is this significant? Why is this a criticism? Well, he never met his goal, and he accidentally hit the continent. But what we have to realize is that most discoveries are accidental. You may have been going the direction towards that, but the guys who discovered penicillin discovered it accidentally because they left their sandwich there over the weekend and the bread molded. And with the molding of the bread and it being near the workstation of the scientist that left it there, the spores and such landed in the petri dish, killed what he was looking at, and he put two and two together and found and discovered uh, penicillin, which became a cure and is a cure for countless diseases and bacteria and everything. Now, was that person an idiot? Was that scientific discovery, even though it was on accident, was that stupid? Was that scientist a moron for not realizing what he had in front of him? I mean, you can go back in time and you can look at the uh, medical records of Rome. They used moldy bread on wounds as part of the healing process. You get a cut, a stab wound, they would dress it, take a moldy uh, slice of bread, wrap it onto the open wound, and it would help heal it. Didn't anybody between, you know, 19-something and... and zero AD figure out, wait a second, there's penicillin in there? We won't call it penicillin. There's medicine in that? No. Nobody did. The Romans figured it out. Maybe they figured it out from the Greeks. I don't know exactly. But I do know that we can't discount Columbus just because it was an accidental discovery. Now, why do I keep saying discovery when a lot of people are going out there are going to be saying, this wasn't a discovery. There were the Vikings here. And if you look into the scholarship and all of the evidence, there's possibility of Hebrews being here, of Phoenicians being here, of Chinese being here, of Japanese being here. In fact, they have found a shipwreck off of the coast of Peru that's over 700 years old um, that came from Japan. They have found... I mean, the number of different things that they have found in of Egyptian, of runic, meaning uh, Viking, of um, the Phoenicians, of the Hebrews, of the Chinese, Japanese, um, even possibly Africans um, going to the Americas. 
how can we say that Christopher Columbus discovered it? I'll tell you why we can say it. Because he discovered it for the world and not themselves. You see, when you create a discovery in the steps of the scientific method, you need to have several steps here. So let's get off on this tangent and look at this. We need to ask a question. What's the question here for Columbus? The question is, how do we get to the new world? Not to the new world, to um, India. For him, the answer is go west. Does his background, does his research, he's had experience with the uh, coastal waters and the ocean waters off of Europe and Africa. He knows about the trade winds, the uh, currents, etc. He has experienced them. So he knows there is a current and a wind that goes west. His hypothesis, and this is what you have to do, you have to construct a hypothesis. His hypothesis that is that if he goes west, the planet being round, he will go and find India. So he does a test. How does he do the test? He has the three ships. He takes the money of the Spanish and the help, and he goes west. It works. But did he find India? No. What did he find? He discovered a new continent. Now, he was able to look at this, think about it. He did not at first realize that he had discovered a new place, but eventually he does before he died. And a lot of people say he didn't. He did. He knew that he had discovered something totally brand new after the second or the third voyage. He had four voyages. He goes back, and this is where it's important. He goes back and tells Spain, this is what we did. We took the ships. We went west. This is the path we did it. This is the uh, route we took, and this is what we found. Here's some examples. Here's some samples. This is what I have. I want to do it again. The Spanish and the Portuguese, after learning about it, are able to replicate his results. So he takes the hypothesis, go west, you'll find land, you test it, you go west with a ship, you find the land. You're able to talk to the natives, you're able to bring back samples. It is an experiment that is a success. It's a discovery. Under science, is it the discovery that he's looking for? No, it's not the discovery that he's looking for. But it is the discovery that is necessary and needed in the world at the time. Now, that gets into what's called the Columbian Exchange. And I'll talk about the Columbian Exchange, even though that exchange is very one-sided towards the European experience. But it does create a whole world. And the words, to paraphrase uh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, it made it possible that the entire world now was one and you did not have speciation between humans. If you look at um, evolution as a theory of possibility of people changing, it made it so that the people in the new world would not differentiate from the people in the old world so much that there could no longer be interbreeding or you would have different humans and it wouldn't matter which way you want to look at it somebody's not being able to communicate get it on have offspring with the other so taking this and now moving 
back to the story. He discovers the Americas, and he comes upon, the first tribe he comes upon is a nice, and it's a friendly tribe by all accounts. They talk to him, they trade, he leaves his people there, and he goes off. Now, when he goes back, he brings with him many different brings back many different samples and examples of the new world. Now in bringing back these examples and samples, um, the King of Spain is thrilled. He makes him the governor of the new territory and which is new to Spain and Europe and the rest of the world and Christopher Columbus goes back. Now when he goes back, his entire colony that he set up is destroyed and he asks the local tribe, what happened? Why did you do this to my people? And the local tribe says, we didn't do it to your people. This other tribe did. Now, the other tribe is called the Caribs. This is actually the name where we get the Caribbean from. And this tribe was horrific. Now, before you judge of what I'm talking about, we got to step back. Who were the Caribbean tribe, the Carib tribe? Okay. Now, the Carib tribe, when Columbus was going around trying to um, find the people that did it, he found, um, he found the Carib tribe and uh, he found cities that were set up with nothing more than women in them. And he couldn't figure it out and he talked to them. And he says that the women that he found in these villages that were mostly complies comprised of uh, women had been enslaved and taken away from their homes one of the leading crewmen of his voyages describes it that the captive women told that the carib tribe men would use them with cruelty and that the children that would be born from this use would be eaten and that only the children that they would have with their native wives would be the ones that would be brought up. So I want you to sit back for a minute and think about this. There is a tribe at that time in the Caribbean called the Caribs that has cities of women set up as cattle to be used as breeding stock for the food of the tribe. I mean, ponder that for a second. They're creating a society. They're creating a trade post in this area, the Spanish are, and those are their neighbors. Imagine that they are your neighbors. Are you going to be happy? Are you going to want them as a neighbor? Do you want your woman taken, put in chains, and used that way? And then the children that come from it eaten? Is that a society that you want? Now, am I making a judgment? Yes. But this is a pretty clear-cut case that a judgment needs to be made. This isn't somebody worshiping a different god and having a little different dance when they celebrate. This is pure evil. To take an individual, enslave them, take the children that come from it, and eat them because they're delicious to you is horrific. Well, Columbus doesn't have any of it. When he finds the tribe, he wipes half of them out um, with guns, 
as revenge and retribution and justice. And the diseases that he accidentally brings with him takes care of the rest. In fact, within 20 years, most of the people within the Caribbean islands are dead, around between 90 and 98% of them, depending upon which island and which population you're looking at. As a whole, you're looking at about 95% gone. All because of disease. And that's another one of the criticisms of Columbus, that he committed genocide. No, he didn't commit genocide. Genocide happened because of diseases. He committed justice on the Carib tribe for the injustices that they perpetrated on the surrounding tribes and on his own men. So that's the beginning of the New World. And we can call it the New World because according to Europeans and Africans and Asians, um, it is new. The Old World discovered the New World. The East discovered the West. Now, moving on to from that, the last thing we're going to look at about Columbus is that he was a slaver, that he took slaves. Well, yes, he did. So did everybody else. Every people on the planet, from the beginning of what you can find in archaeology, in scholarship, in academia, even in religion, Every people, creed, race, language have at one time or another owned slaves, had slavery owned slaves. Every single one. Every single one has reached a moment of enlightenment, except for a few in Africa, but every single one has met, and Asia for that matter, every single one has met or come to a moment of enlightenment where they have decided that slavery is wrong and they are going to participate in it. This does not diminish Columbus as an explorer. This does not diminish Columbus as a person. This does not diminish Columbus as a governor. What this makes them is human. They were, he's a human in a human experience doing a human thing based upon the morality and the standards of the time. Do we like it? No. You don't celebrate that. What we're celebrating is the coming together of West and East and the creation of what will become Western civilization. And many people believe that Western civilization comes from Western Europe. And a lot of the traditions do. But the enforcement of the idea of Western civilization comes from the Americas and specifically the United States. And the hope in diminishing Christopher Columbus is the hope of diminishing the legitimacy of the United States. And if the people of the United States do not see that or do not experience that or do not take care of that, what will happen eventually is that the country will be viewed as illegitimate and will be torn apart. We see that in politics now, where people are trying to balkanize, meaning to separate and take apart sections of America, the United States of America, into its own little enclaves of people. Think about the Civil War without the violence, right? The South breaks apart from the North, which breaks apart from the Midwest, which breaks apart from the Rocky Mountains, which breaks apart from the Pacific Coast. 
that's what America would look like to people who believe that the United States is an illegitimate country. So why is this all important for our present? Because if we don't understand the true history of the past, the present will get skewed. Think about it like a laser versus a flashlight. Now a flashlight is more useful when you want to see a lot of things. You want to see what's going on in the forest, the jungle, the plains, the desert, right in front of you on the trail as you're walking in the night. Then you want a flashlight. You want to light something up for the military, for a bomb, for your gun, for um, range, for speed, for measurement. You need a laser. And measurement is the key here because we need to measure ourselves and measure the country into what we're going to be. You can't measure by a flashlight as well as you can a laser. The laser brings the focus and the accuracy that we're looking for. In the present, what is the example of Columbus that we need to look at? Number one, we're all humans trying to do our best. He was a human trying to do his best. He believed in God. He believed in country. He was doing the best for both in his own estimation. He was not out to spread disease and kill a bunch of natives on a new continent. He was not out to do something entirely brand new, but to do something better for his country. I mean, he did something brand new in discovering the country and going to do something brand new and going around the world. But it was the exact same thing that everybody else had done, just in a different direction. He wasn't going around the Horn of Africa. He wasn't going through the Middle East for the trading. He was just going to go west. He was going to trade going west. I'll bring it into politics. People are trying to apply socialist principles to the United States. Well, does socialist principles work? Around the world, they don't. So if socialist principles around the world do not work, why are we trying to look at that as an example of what to do in the country with the belief that we can do it better? We can't. Nobody can do that better. The belief that you can do an ideology that everyone has failed at better is the height of hubris and arrogance. You can't take a broken machine and run it better. It's broken. It won't work. It will never work. It relies upon principles that are not principles. Maybe one day I'll do a podcast about the principles of socialism. Maybe it'll be next time. But what I'm looking at here is you're looking at a system that cannot work around the world. It does not matter the race, creed, country, color, religion of the people. It has been tried on three, four, five continents. It has not worked on all five continents. It has not worked with every single different people there. This is the beauty of the United States. The United States has multiple peoples, multiple ethnicities, multiple nationalities, multiple gods, multiple um, races, and it works. Freedom works. Freedom makes everything 
for everybody work. Now, it works to different degrees, but that is the nature of the beast. Everybody is going to have a different experience because everybody is different. There is no one way to make one outcome for everybody. Just because I go to business school and Johnny Be Good goes to business school and Sarah Be Bad goes to business school doesn't mean we're all going to come out CEOs of Coca-Cola. It doesn't. That isn't how it works. It means we're going to try to put our best foot forward. And if Sarah turns out to be the CEO of Coca-Cola and I'm the CEO of my own little startup that doesn't get past Deer Lick Nowheresville, then so be it. I tried my best, she tried her best, and she came out with Coca-Cola. I'm thirsty right now, I guess. But still, in moving forward, what are we looking at? What are we trying to take away from this? Columbus was in an extreme situation at an extreme time doing extraordinary things, which created an extraordinary outcome. The possibility for a new world to be a new beginning in the lives of the entire world as a whole. And as we'll see in history, because of this new beginning, um, slavery is abolished, people are brought out of poverty, the world is brought out of darkness, and everyone can now partake in the wealth that the world has to offer. Columbus, he went a different direction. He did the same thing that everybody else did. He was going to trade in spices and just like everybody else and he was just going to find a different way to do that. You need to find your own way. You can do the same thing that everybody else is doing, just doing it a different way and that can make all the difference. All of us are unique. All of us have our own problems. All of us have our own situation. All of us need to improve themselves in one way or another. I hope on your journey of yourself and finding out who you are and what your calling is in life and what you need to do that you find it. And I think that if you do something the same as everybody else but going a different way you will find it. There are multiple upon multiple examples that I could name. It can be yours to have. I thank you for joining me today. Remember, this is the Bronze Compass Podcast. Share it with your family and friends. You are you. I am Matthew. We're out.